Welcome to Inside Shopify UX. As always, I'm your host, Lalayalayo Pearson, UX Director at Shopify. In this episode, I speak with Aditi Kolkani and Farai Manzima about our common traits as bridge people who were raised in one culture and lead design in another. Aditi and Farai are UX managers at Shopify and leaders in the broader design community. We talk about designing for different cultures and why designers need to evolve their idea of good design beyond a Western-centric point of view. Enjoy. I have to say, I'm actually on a podcast with celebrities in their own right. Um, So I'm going to, instead of just talking about your Shopify jobs, I would love for you to introduce yourselves but tell us about the things you don't do at Shopify that make you famous. And Aditi, the queen of Singapore, I'm going to start with you. Snap. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I don't think I'm that famous. But but yeah, I'm, I'm involved in the, com- the design community in Singapore and in Bangalore. Um, I guess I'm traditionally from startup land. I've worked in a lot of startups. Uh, many, many startups and Shopify is actually one of the first big companies that I worked at. So um, that's a bit about me. And yeah, I You're love being modest. <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I am. You're being modest. I have, so no, because I have literally had people say to me, like, do you know who Aditi is? Like everyone <laughs> in Singapore knows Aditi. Aditi is UX in Singapore. So it's oh, a bit no. more than just being involved in the community, I think. Yeah, I think I've been very lucky to be uh, welcomed by the community here. Like it's it's six, seven years and um, COVID has definitely put a dampener on things, but we've yeah. sort of got through it and there are a lot of digital events and um, it's been really nice to build that and be part of that um, community. Yeah. So that's something. You're also like a Shopify's you know, one woman hiring machine for APAC region. Like I feel like most of the people we brought in have come in via ADT. Yes, that's true. I take that. I take that. Of course I get it. uh, We, yeah, I I was one of the first UX people in Asia back and we've hired UX from scratch um, in the region. So now we have designers in Japan, in Australia, in South Korea, in Singapore, um, so that's really cool. Oh yeah. Mate, mm-hmm. listen, listen, we've upgraded. Yeah. <laughs> we've upgraded, put it that way. Okay. We'll, we'll come back and talk about APAC, but then yeah. Farai, please tell us who are you and why are you famous? Um, moderately famous, shall I say, um, okay. in, in, a, in a, in a, in a localized region. Um, so, so, um, so I've spent, uh, originally I'm from Zimbabwe. Um, and I left there, thought I was going to be a doctor. didn't get the grades, lived in the UK for a bit. Um, but I left the UK and I went to South Africa and when I went to South Africa, um, one of the things I saw was that there is no places for people to learn about design. Um, and people were largely Mm self-taught. And so, um, we started, uh, after attending like a Jared Spool event in Boston somewhere, I was like, we could do this here in Johannesburg. So, um, my wife and I started, uh, Pixel Up, which is, uh, Initially, we were just doing meetups, and then we started doing uh, conferences where we were flying people from places like Shopify, your Facebooks, your Googles, and bringing them to South Africa, either Cape Town or Johannesburg, um, so that we could kind of build a bridge between people who are looking to learn this thing and have no good way to learn it, and people who have thoughts to share. 
Um, and that's how you and I met, though. Um, we, we, we brought you over from, from the UK and, you know, you came to hang out with us. And, and so we, we ran that from 2016 up till 2019. Um, and then I moved to Canada in 2017. So we did like two while living in another country, which was pretty hectic. But Aditya, as you were saying, like COVID has made things really difficult. Um, to you know, to get people to hang out, South Africa has been particularly yeah. strongly hit, and so it's just trying to figure out, cool, what can we do to kind of keep that bridge um, and keep that vibe going? So we'll figure out how that works. But uh, that is my uh, that is my claim to fame, though. Okay, so clearly modesty seems to be the thing <laughs> the two of you are going to do. So I'm going to so, be your so, hype so woman. This, so is this cultural or is this? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking it's cultural. Let's talk about this. Let's do things. Tell people. I would people. say so, that um, Farai, yeah. uh, he mm. did this talk um, called uh, One of a Kind or Being One yes. of a Kind. I can't remember the exact title, but it's something that I watched um, a few years ago and it, totally changed my perspective like I think it gave me vocabulary to talk about stuff that I just didn't have before so that's how I found out about Farai before I came to Shopify so he is definitely famous <laughs> well yeah. so this is the thing so I I think that talk is also linked to the other talk that you went to um, I think you spoke at a conference in Canada you spoke at a conference in France about yeah. the like building teams with cultural sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And I think this, and this is the crux of the conversation, right? Because the commonality we share is we have often been minority leaders, right? So mm-hmm. we come from a culture leading teams that come from a different culture to us. Right. And actually it ends up meaning that like bridging culture in design is right. a part of our job, whether we want it to be or not like it's just an Mm. innate thing that we have to do we have to understand and I think you've just both been really good at connecting the dots on that and I think you know Aditi you and I had a great conversation a year ago about how would we you and I evaluate a Mandarin website yeah right because who the hell says that we know how to do that? Like, just because it doesn't look anything like an English, does that mean it's unusable? Is it breaking yeah. any design patterns? Does it have any, like, flaws? It's like, actually, you can't. You yeah. know, there are limitations to this concept of universal design or what is considered good in one culture versus another. And mm-hmm. I want to ask, like, how does that still show up? Because a lot of the people you work with are mm-hmm. obviously in APAC, but yeah. you're also designing not just for the Asia Pacific region, but for the globe, right? So how does mm-hmm. that still show up in, you know, design crits, how you look at design, how people, the, the sensibilities right. that they bring to their work? I think it definitely brings in a lot of different perspectives. I think my uh, perspective is more like, I'm almost like a bridge. Like I can speak mm-hmm. to multiple cultures and it's easy for me mm-hmm. to do that or it it always has been um mm-hmm. and then it gives me the ability to provide a space for people of different voices to like give their design opinions mm-hmm. and their perspective however different they are so i think it gives me that ability um mm-hmm. i think we can definitely create these spaces where people give different kinds of perspectives and feedback. Um, When we were studying design in India, uh, we studied Bauhaus, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, there were a lot of people who came to school who um, came from really like local cultural aesthetics 
and had very strong mm-hmm. opinions about their cultural aesthetics but that was sort of discouraged um and i think mm-hmm. at that time i didn't really care much about that or like think about it mm-hmm. but i think in hindsight you start to connect those dots and you start to think okay mm-hmm. how can you make sure that next time when somebody yeah. comes with a different perspective you say hey this is interesting too like how can we learn mm-hmm. from this and i think curiosity is important uh in these it's situations. so funny this ca- this came up in the conversation i had with toby our ceo mm-hmm. because um we we talked about bauhaus and that oh. movement but the fact that it's like for me it's always just been boring like i know that's super controversial to say like design it is, classic is boring <laughs> But I'm Nigerian. Like the yeah. definition of good yeah. is like four colors together, right? Like the ri- and I can imagine the same with Indian culture. Like yeah, the nice. richness of society mm. and what is considered good and livid and vivid. Bauhaus is the opposite of that as a design yes. aesthetic, you know. So it, that tension, and I, I don't know, maybe unpopular opinion. So check me on this. <laughs> but I think most of us has, have had to learn to be good at cultivating a design aesthetic that is Western, white Western Northern Hemisphere oriented, but white Western Northern Hemisphere oriented designers would not be as successful at learning how to design for our cultures. Discuss. The, I think, so, so, Aditi, when you're talking about like um, learning to design from the you know the northern hemisphere western sensibilities but you already live in a culture that is strong and rich like for for time for time in terms of design whether you know and pick whether it's kind of architectural or it's textures or whatever it is you know that sort of thing and then obviously there's the reason why you are learning bios is obviously colonization right the, those were the schools that came over and that was that, yeah, was, that was the kind Eames, of thing charles yeah. eames built yeah. a school in india yeah. um yeah, and, yeah. Right. yeah so that's how it happened and, and i'd be interested to hear more about like how much that school absorbed the local but it sounds like from what you're describing they were kind of like no no, no we're bringing the goodness um learn the goodness from us and and <laughs> to, to an extent but 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 the thing i find is that so born in zimbabwe zimbabwe was also colonized by the british um and what happened there is that we didn't, unlike Nigeria even, we didn't necessarily have strong design culture that is local. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that meant was that whatever was coming in took over pretty readily. Right. And so there, and, and, and so now, you know, the, the remnants of few, there are a few kind of, there's Great Zimbabwe, which is kind of a big um, uh, a stone architecture piece that lives in the middle of the country, which the country is named after. That's one of the few artifacts that, that, that still exist. But we didn't have the richness that you might have had in India, for example, where yeah. it's codified and people right. can learn it. Even if they don't go to school, they can look around and go, oh, snap, this is how we did it. I can That's replicate true. that just by seeing it. And, and so a I've very inter- strong craft as well, like a very strong craft yes. culture. Yeah. So it's technical. It's, yeah. You know, it's developed, yeah. it's evolved. Yeah. 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 And so I think there's there's something there around, you know, um for for me anyway, having learned the the western way, I guess, and having to re go back and kind of understand where my stuff comes from and try to relearn mm-hmm. that and bring that to the party. Um which some partly successful, but there's not a lot to dig up that we can bring to right. the work that, you know, that we are doing. 
Um, but I discovered when I, so I, because I studied in the UK, but when I went mm-hmm. to South, South Africa, um, that's when I started to figure out in a more modern sense, how that does, that those design sensibilities can also discount people just use their access to devices because a lot of, we're doing a lot of this on devices, right? Yeah. And yeah. so you're finding that there are people who, you know, they've been on the internet for a long time, but like reading and writing isn't a strength. That's not a thing they know. Um, yeah. And I've, I was, I was surprised when I saw people using WhatsApp voice messages almost exclusively yeah. because they, yeah. they can't write their own language in yeah. the device. And so all they're doing is just bouncing voice messages back and forth. And I was like, snap, when they were designing that, was that part of like the way of thinking of, you know, of how do we make this work for these other cultures and these other, you know, levels of access? So let's stay with South Africa for a second, because mm. I feel like you and I had a really interesting conversation when I came to Joburg about mm. a project I had done that created similar dynamics. So a few years ago, I worked on a, a messaging product mm. where the uh, product was used by diaspora and then the mm. people at home. And, and in that case, it was like um, Brazil, Mexico, Ecuador, Peru, so Latin American, and then the diaspora family in the US. Mm. And so... We're doing mobile messaging. So it's like GIFs, memes, pictures, songs, videos, Mm. emojis. But then what you're finding in parts of rural Brazil is it's a 2G environment. Right. (laughs) So you are not receiving the same emojis. You're not going to get that GIF. That file is going to take years. Or (laughs) even the fact that like mobile subscriptions are not unlimited bandwidth. So Mm. receiving a really heavy video file is going to kill all of your data and you yeah. don't have no more money until like the next month, you know? So yeah. you're designing between almost two points of the internet and it really stretches the tension of your, like as a designer, I can't just be like, Oh, I'm going to make this possible. It's like, I have to make this possible. And then I have to gracefully degrade this experience through like every version of android that is still active in this country (laughs) and from 4g to 2g (laughs) like data bandwidth and it's like so much harder to figure all of those design problems out because you know you're you're literally accountable for that whole spectrum right and i and and i think it's harder with banking which is like the the context where you are so like moving money from like you know accounts and like transacting and stuff you know well low like most people in Zimbabwe and South Africa don't bank in a bank. Yeah, a lot of like most right. money in Zimbabwe isn't the telephone network because people use mobile money, and so they just and so your phone number is also your bank account, right? And so and so you're just sending like messages. You're sending money like a message, and so the whole yeah. idea of is this a bank probably yeah. doesn't strike a bunch of people. They're just like, oh, yeah. cool, my money was here. Now it's over there and I paid for the thing that I wanted and, and, and job done and that, and that sort of it. So I think even, you know, as we're working with money, being able to think about, okay, cool. How does this work? Cause I know that, um, in Kenya, it's the, pretty much the same where yeah. you know, at corporate levels where I, I know of an example where, um, like trucks that deliver drinks and booze to local bottle stores, mm-hmm. you know, when they deliver, you know, where you would expect like a purchase order to get signed. And then, you know, there's a, you know, debit order, whatever. It's just like, I'm here. How much do you want? You take that much off. They send each yeah. other a message over their phones. Transactions done. You yeah. know, we move on. Um, yeah. how, how do we, you know, at product market fit and all of those areas, how do we fit into that? And yeah. because that's still commerce, right? 
Yeah. It's mad commerce. Money's flowing. Very and much commerce. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's get into that. Let's bring it into Shopify context. Because, right, this is then, here's our mandate. Make commerce better for everyone. Mm. And here we are, bridge people, sitting between cultures. Like, you know, my mom is running um, a water business in Nigeria. So there's a lot of retail transactions that happen there. Um, I know like in Asia Pacific, we're looking at trends like live selling. Commerce ends up being this hugely complicated fabric that does not involve uh, like an easy peasy one click checkout wallet in a lot of markets around the world. So like, how are you seeing that? Like, how do you how do you reconcile sometimes designing in that Shopify mission, but also seeing the expansion that we're going through and like what it would actually mean to problem solve for the, for the countries and maybe starting with you, Aditi, because I feel like Asia is a, like, we've got to do it. We're doing it right. We're doing it in Asia. We're going to be doing doing it. it. So you're coming across these challenges. Yeah. I think, um, I think the device format is key. Like the fact that all of this happens on a phone and now I'm speaking like a real designer, but um, (laughs) like, doing things like allowing people to sell like totally through their phone like without depending on like banking systems that they may not be using or um Mm -hmm. i think if we make that really easy like yeah someone should be able to just sell from their phone and only from their phone and they don't have to be on the admin on the desktop yeah that -hmm. would be the dream that is key um yeah I think that would be really cool. It's already happening today. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. people are selling completely on their phone. Um, You know, at least in Asia, QR codes are like, um, you don't even notice them anymore. You're just like using them. So it's just like part of the fabric. (laughs) And uh, I hate to say this, but COVID has made QR codes like even more um, like, it's all over the place. We thought they were dead and now they're back. <laughs> you know, we were like, this, it was this weird dead. tech didn't really work and now it's everywhere again. It, it was, yeah. And so I think just the phone like format is, I think, the key to like how we how we do this for like the rest of the world. Um, and then also the internet. I think I think both of you touched on it a little bit, which is a lot of people don't have really fast internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings with it its own challenges. Um, yeah, I think um, LinkedIn did something really cool where they had LinkedIn Lite um, for India, mm. and mm-hmm. it just loads really fast and yeah. works really really well on like yeah. low internet speeds and stuff like that. So yeah. there are mm-hmm. a lot of there are a lot of companies that have like really figured out how to do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a very exciting space. I find at the moment in my mind, I see Asia as like the future and the and and then like Europe is like maybe like next week and then like again, maybe controversial opinion, but like North America is like yesterday. <laughs> in that some of these trends and are Africa very, last week. Well, Africa's somewhere in between, right? And because it's so so take for example the fact that like in Asia literally you can run an entire business on your phone because nothing you ever need to do would require you to have a desktop um, computer or even be in like a singular fixed location. And that, and I mean that from like everything to, you know, if we think about China and WeChat and the fact that like everything going to the cinema, eating, ordering food, sending money happens in your messaging app. 
like your messaging, mm. your identity, the Tencent infrastructure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Your identity, like even government transactions. Yeah. So like that's the future or like, you know, in South Korea where you can basically go and buy like onions with Bitcoin. I don't know if that makes sense, but you can because <laughs> even the market sellers accept crypto, you know, mm. and then you get Asia and I'm going to connect it with Africa where you have both of those things coming together. So like mm. everybody's on a mobile device because desktop devices are, are too expensive, inaccessible, and the they internet is much yeah. less reliable, right? Yeah. So we're skipping the desktop era in, in India and say like um, parts of South Asia and Africa, but then we're still bridging like really, really poor internet speeds and connectivity with like super high-end phones. And I think something quite unique, which is like people will speak three, four, five languages mm -hmm. and English won't be one of them. And they may not so, be able to write in all those languages either. And they may not be able to write in all those languages, but mm -hmm. they are finding ways to transact. And mm -hmm. again, commerce traditions are extremely rich, like pick a country in that whole region. And you will find like everybody's parent was selling something like, you know, if, if you know a Nigerian and they don't have a side hustle, they're not really Nigerian, <laughs> right? Like it's just, <laughs> it's literally innate that there is a commerce culture and so yeah we're kind of in between like the future and the present in terms yeah. of capability but people are very active and then i find like in north america we're kind of following the valley so like hey this is the new things so and then we kind of like go with that new thing and sometimes that means resisting the reality that like your mobile is everything which is already true in asia and sometimes that means also having these complex challenges about like you know, what's considered good or what's going to take off, or what's going to change the world, you know, and how are we going to, how are we going to fix all these problems? I don't know if it's um, well known, but I remember a few years back, like Spotify, there was like an article about Spotify struggling to take off in Asia <laughs> because they didn't understand that you couldn't have a music streaming service that did not provide the words because what are you doing in Asia listening to music and you can't karaoke, right? And so they <laughs> thought that they could just launch with like localized language and maybe some local artists and it was not working because like why would I do this when I want to go mm -hmm. sing with my friends you know that kind of mindset shift um it's I find it super interesting like how we're going to bridge these concepts and ideas and how like you know to a certain extent we're designing mm -hmm. right so we're in the hot seats your your design leads in your team you get to direct that thinking you get to help your teams frame that opportunity so maybe what are those things that you do in your day-to-day -day where you do act as that bridge where you do maybe introduce the thinking about what happens when this is being used in country x or how does this create an opening that doesn't shut the door on a behavior that we know is prevalent in country y maybe starting with you for because you work in our core team right so there's like a you are the engine builder of Shopify in, in, in a sense. Personally, but yes. So, so, so I think um, <laughs> we, to be honest, I think I rely more on the, you know, on the systems that are, that are existing that allow us mm -hmm. to get that access. So you spoke, for example, about like, how do we degrade this experience gracefully? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and managing kind of, you know, the way the, the product is delivered. And I think we, when we use systems like Polaris, I think we rely that part of it. I think we rely a lot on Polaris is going to think about yeah. that, and Polaris is going to try and you know and try and handle that. I can't say that on a day to day, 
like as part of our problem solving that we are thinking about, you know, how that might work, um, you know, in, in the right way. Mm-hmm. I also think a lot about, um, and I, I remember I had this discussion somewhere um, in thinking about, particularly Africa's the, where my heart is, and that's where I'm thinking about, and you know, what are our resources there, um, and what are we what are we aiming for there? And at the moment, for Shopify, I I can't say that it's a priority market. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, in terms of what we're doing, it's hard, it's, um, it's, yeah. it's 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 hard, it's complex, and it feels like from what we're discussing around like the mobile aspect, can people connect and everything is informal? Do they have bank accounts? What about credit cards and all those things? I imagine that those are all like really hard problems. That might mean that Shopify needs to be fundamentally a different beast almost because all the tools that I'm working on today rely on someone who's got all those things in place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, and so, you know, I work in inventory right now. And all of that relies on, you know, yes, someone is able to pay for a bunch of inventory and keep it somewhere. Yes. And then they're managing that and they've got access to admin and they're doing stock takes and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, you know, family that I've got home where it's kind of like everything is might be on consignment. It's on cash on delivery. Yeah. I don't have enough money to hold a whole bunch of inventory. I'm, you know, I'm hustling. I'm, I'm connecting people and, and all of those different things. So I'd say in my day to day, um, the most important thing is probably accessibility is the biggest thing that we're trying to do mm-hmm. to kind of make, make, make sure that our work is inclusive mm-hmm. um, of, of others and then their needs and, and designing of everyone. But across um, abilities to access money, across abilities to access the internet, across abilities to access devices, um, I can't say that we're pushing the boat out beyond kind of making sure that it works on small screens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For better or no, worse. It's real talk. Yeah, it's real talk. It's mm. To be honest, it's hard. Like I, just to c- complete the cycle on Africa, mm. like my mom's business is in Nigeria, it is mm. the perfect candidate for Shopify. And there are a lot of actually Shopify merchants in Nigeria who are successfully mm. selling. Oh, awesome. But they're selling to Gen Z mm-hmm. in that the majority of my mom's customers do not have digital money. It is cash. It is um, official, like semi-official cash transfers. And like her delivery people are actually like marketers. So every day she'll like produce a certain amount of water and it'll get loaded up onto the truck and there'll be a driver and and another person. And that person's job is to convince each store to take more water. Right. So that driver does not know that they're going to deliver all of that water that day, even though they have a list of shops to visit right. because the marketer's job is to convince the shop to buy more water. And so they'll come back and then they'll be like, okay, well you left with X number of kegs and you've mm-hmm. come back with X numbers. So now let's work out how much you're going to be paid in commission. So absolutely none of that would work on Shopify. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. like we can have an online presence and mm-hmm. you know, the five or so people who really feel comfortable with subscription could be able to do it. But mm-hmm. 95% of her customer base mm-hmm. works in this very different commercial way yeah. that everybody fully understands. And so I'm kind of hopeful that one day we can kind of nudge a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. But right mm-hmm. now that reality is just like, there, there is a big gap there. Um, mm-hmm. But Aditi, for you, I guess it's a little bit more accessible because you also work in partnerships, right, in your team. Yeah. And, like, we've just announced with JD.com, which is, like, huge in Asia and saying, like, 
Shopify merchants can exist mm. in those marketplaces and yeah. they majority sell in Asia. So like that reality of culture bridging is a little bit more present in your work, I'm imagining. For sure. Like we are really helping merchants sell like everywhere and like yeah. on, in all marketplaces, in all channels. And it's yeah. it's super exciting. Um, I personally think video can be a very democratic medium because mm-hmm. anyone can sell through video um mm. you know and mm. when it comes to like my team i think um all of us have very different perspectives like i have mm-hmm. you know a designer in japan a designer in south korea and 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 then a lot of folks in singapore and for us like this sort of marketplace you know culture is is natural um, and so I think um, it it opens the possibility of like what all we could do to like make it easier yeah. for merchants. And to be honest, the new generation of commerce, like the, you know, the new sellers are, I feel going to really be open to all of this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, I feel very hopeful that we can get more people onto video (laughs) like video really seems to be um the way like uh you know slowly internet is improving everywhere and um life selling is the thing yeah i may sound obsessed but (laughs) it's 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 (laughs) are are you selling something (laughs) no 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 but uh what should we buy i'm ready to click like (laughs) one of the designers on my team uh started a ramen shop and and Mm. then we got uh, one of the engineers to announce it on on his Instagram because he's very famous, and uh, orders came in like <laughs> so. So we are wow. just like we are just like uh, having fun with it. I think, um, but awesome. yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited about what Shopify can do um, in the region, yeah. in all yeah. the different kinds of like sort of so commerce surfaces that that exists like obviously it's not easy um you know and there are challenges and uh there is reality you know but i think we can sort of chip away chip away at that yeah Mm -hmm. no that's amazing something came to mind that i wanted to bring up because i feel like the last point i made felt very dismal about africa so (laughs) there are people who are making moves i was just reminded now of something that uh, my dad sent me so my dad is living in zimbabwe Um, where like Forex is a problem because of sanctions and so on and so forth. But somebody has set up a Shopify store in South Africa that sells products that are existing in supermarkets in Zimbabwe. So what happens is you go to this store, the South African store, you do all your shopping. The order goes through to a supermarket in Zim. And then my dad can just go to the, yeah, my dad just, well, it's, it's in the supermarket. So my yes. dad just goes to that supermarket and it's kind of like curbside pickup at that supermarket, even though that the store is, so is running <laughs> in, in, in South Africa to do this thing. But it's a Shopify store. And I remember he, he called me and he was like, yo, you work at Shopify. And I'm like, yeah, how many times that remind But anyway, <laughs> I was, he was like, are you people doing this? And he's like, yeah, that's so. So there are people who are making those connects yeah. and using the you know tool what? and what it provides oh, to, yeah. kind of, to, to get around the problems as entrepreneurs do. Yeah, and I, I definitely want to be super hopeful because I think mm-hmm. even in that example and the Nigerian Shopify merchants I have found, it's like for all the tech that works, they literally are just picking up Shopify and mm-hmm. selling and mm-hmm. earning revenue. And like, I think we're close to our first plus merchant. Like we wow. are seeing 
traction. Yeah, it's like it's wow. there are sales happening, right? People are actually managing to sell. And I think a lot of that is it boils down to the fundamentals of like keeping Shopify as accessible as possible, like you were yeah. saying for Ryan, mm-hmm. like trying to design something that does feel like it has uh, an ease of use, even if it's not super culturally specific, mm-hmm. there is something there that makes it easy for it to be adapted. And like, that's another thing, like our partner ecosystem is super rich because yeah. so many of our partners are coming from Africa and Asia and they're helping Shopify merchants across the world do stuff mm. as well. So there's like a, there's like a nice connectivity there that I feel um, still impassions me that, yeah, we've got some work to do in a couple of mm. places, but you know, we are here to keep pushing the envelope on, on those conversations. Um, mm. right. I want to shift a little bit to um, design practices mm. because there's definitely a discussion I think that needs to be had about what a good design process looks like when you are not inside this culture. So like, I mean, I'm just going to do that thing where I'm just poking it. Design thinking <laughs> would be trash in West Africa, right? Because you're not necessarily going to create, even in a professional context, you're not going to create a workshop where person A, who's the SME on a subject, is going to say the opposite thing to their boss who's in the room. Mm. Right. right these these concepts of like challenging each other and like everybody having ideas and ideas are all equal and valid like they fundamentally challenge cultural norms mm. that are still very very live when you are in a bunch of different places around the world so like mm. i'm interested maybe on in the specifics of your experience being designers and growing design teams from non-white western countries what design practices have you seen either fail spectacularly or work well enough to get the job done, given that, you know, the cultural context is so different? Mm-hmm. That's a good question, Lola. <laughs> or maybe not, I'm right? Or do, do they so, work? Am I wrong? Do they work? <laughs> so, 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 no. Uh, so, so I was, I was actually, I've actually been thinking about, so a, a personal failing that I experienced that I attribute to differences in culture, like where I've grown up and where I've ended up working um, is, and I, I, I speak about this, you know, um, in my talk is around, I come from a hierarchical culture, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you're describing low, where it's kind of like where I've grown up is like those who are senior, older are right. Mm-hmm. And yes. you, you won't always challenge those folks. And I have carried that with me into adulthood, into the workplace, across oceans and continents not yeah. knowing it's a thing. Um, yeah. And then it ended up getting me fired because my bosses have got expectations in North America and the UK. They've got expectations that I'm going to challenge them, you know, because that's how we make ideas better as opposed yeah. to just saying yes, or that I'm going to speak up when, you know, something is not working out. And so yeah. one of the things that I've been learning about is around making sure that I am trying to create an environment where we normalize the idea of challenging ideas. And, yeah. you know, at Shopify, we want to make decisions boldly. And, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we want to be able to be wrong in public, not because, you know, we value being wrong, but we know that as soon as we find something that doesn't work, as Toby says, we can improve that very quickly. But when, we're, when we are unable to speak up about our ideas and sharpen them, um, that becomes a challenge. And so in, in my one-on-ones, I focus a lot on trying to figure out, you know, what are the barriers to people expressing themselves authentically 
mm-hmm. as people, but also in terms of if they've got ideas, how can we kind of move those things forward? How can we express those and try to find what those blockers are? There will be, some will be cultural, like mine, I always bring that culturally, but sometimes even people from North America will still have a challenge, yeah, you know, doing, doing exactly thing. the same. And so the culture yeah. there is more just like, oh, this is where you were educated and born and not necessarily kind of like, you know, these, you know, people who come from this country or people of this ilk. Yeah. And so, um, so I've definitely seen that in the work. And I agree with you, though, that if we are, if we have design practices that rely on people being able to speak up and being able to challenge Mm-hmm. ideas at any level in the hierarchy um, and we are not recognizing that some people may not readily be available to do that you know for among other reasons cultural reasons then those design practices won't succeed as readily no and I remember years ago maybe switching to you Aditi um, in, yeah. when I was a researcher um, international research specialists were starting to talk about the fact that you can't just go and do a usability study in India the same way you would in the UK. And I, I feel like there was a concept of the Bollywood method, which introduced what? role play. I've not heard yeah. this. <laughs> oh, I'll have to dig it out. But I, I remember people used to talk about this. It was like, actually, if you introduce role play and character, although we are asking somebody to critique a design or a solution, mm-hmm. in character, they're more likely to be honest and Word. critical than they are as themselves because what they're trying to do is please and they're not trying mm-hmm. to offend Hello the visitor or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's kind of like right. creating a mechanism to bridge the cultural barrier in order to still get the right output, which is we care about what you think about this thing that we're building mm-hmm. or this problem we're trying to understand. And I think some of those things are still live conversations we need to have, which is like, you know, does usability work in the same way in every single country? Do we deconstruct so and design critique in the same way? It can be so different. And so you need yeah. to adapt, right? Yeah. I think even having a conversation is so different. Um, mm. and, and, and that's something that I realize uh, a lot sometimes in conversations because I'm from the interrupting culture where, um, you know, <laughs> when, when you... When you get excited about something, you like add on to what the other person is saying. Um, but then that's actually like interrupting what the other person is saying. And then, and then yeah. in, in some cultures, like in Japan, like you, they expect a very long silence before someone is comfortable to, you mm. know, speak next. Um, mm. And then the amount of silence is different in different cultures. Um, mm-hmm. and this is a very interesting topic for me because I'm so bad at like interrupting everyone. So I think um, even when you're re- like interviewing someone, if you're not yeah. uh, cognizant of that difference, yeah. uh, if yeah. you can't reflect that properly, then yeah. it can really go bad, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what um, I think... I, I did see a lot of, uh, you know, research happen in India. Like, I didn't really have a lot of trouble doing um, uh, research in India. It's obviously challenging. And this is in the olden days, like, when they hired us for, like, six-month research projects. Um, I, I don't <laughs> see that anymore. Um, and, no. you know, we would go to, like, small towns in India and try to understand, like, how do they use internet and you know, mm-hmm. how do women access internet because the systems are different and um, really cool projects. Um, mm-hmm. But the people that helped us create the studies were like very, like experts in the culture and like to, like trained us yeah. and like 
what to say mm-hmm. and you know only a woman should interview a woman like you know depending yeah. on the culture mm-hmm. like i think if you know the culture then it's easier to like speak to them and like get the right stuff out and understand the silences yeah um yes. and so so it, yeah it's definitely different um but i would yeah. also caveat by saying that just because you did some research study doesn't mean you understand the culture 100% um that's also really dangerous right like sure you're a designer yeah. you did some research but you still don't fully understand the people that yeah. you're designing for right um, yeah and i think that's that's the space i want to us to kind of consistently allow and sometimes mm. I react very strongly to anything that is considered like a truism of design because actually there is no such thing there is no such thing as a truism in a in a design concept it is subjective it needs to be culturally specific we have to pay attention to the people maybe that's the only real truism mm-hmm. and then respond accordingly as opposed to try and apply same types of ideas and processes and practices and assume we're going to get like replicable outcomes because it, it mm-hmm. just it just doesn't work really and i think the same applies to hiring which you know as a, as a final point i think adit again you've been super instrumental in contributing to the rubric of how to hire outside north america and europe because sometimes those conversations do need to consider cultural backgrounds and you know how does a candidate show up what are the yeah. ways in which we can assess whether or not they are bold and ready to challenge versus like mm-hmm. just being respectful and you know sensitive right. in in a cultural context and some of the tools and documents that you produce have been useful even for like helping someone prep for an interview to just say like how am i going to think about this you know oh, so please share i'd like yeah. to i'd like yes. to know more about it cuz i've always i've always thought about internal that. only yeah <laughs> 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 my bad but yeah it's, um, yeah it's kind we will, of we will like connect what you said uh, for i you mentioned this cuz you were like you know people uh, may not want to challenge and yes. and i feel like that is times 1000 in an interview Mm-hmm. and then when you have something like a whiteboarding exercise um mm-hmm. not everyone is going to challenge the other person no matter how senior they are in their own field or how confident mm-hmm. they are in their own authority they're not yeah. going to challenge because this is an interview so they're just it's a different mindset um yeah. and so yeah Out i think that's what lola is talking about because yes. i wrote a document saying you need to make the person feel comfortable yeah. and set mm-hmm. expectations yeah. that you are supposed to challenge You know, yes, that's it. That's all you need to do. Maybe Aditi, that document could become a blog post on the Shopify UX. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I actually think I actually think it's probably really good. Like design, you know, interviewing designers from different cultures. I think yeah. it's it's got some really objective, good, solid guide, grounding guidance for anyone hiring anyone from any background. And so maybe we can make that happen. Yeah. Uh, in you know, terms, I'd, I'd read that, and I'd say like, you know. having worked uh, having grown up in in Africa and now like living and working in the west i would say the lack of hierarchy or the intent yes. to reduce hierarchy i've got time for that i've got a yes. lot of time for that because i know that in 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 the culture that i come from i am sure that there are many ideas that never yes. find the light of day that yes. never get shipped because people can't and you know for good reasons in their culture can't speak up and say a thing yeah. and making that adjustment I was forced to I learned the hard yeah. way how to do that but I'm I'm grateful for that Not ability and yeah and I would love for more folks to you know mm. to be able to do that because I feel like you have to fight that and then you also have to fight the market 
to get an idea yeah. out. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Which feels yeah. so when people succeed there, they've had to work really, really hard to get a thing done. But um, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you a funny story though, because mm. no matter what, your upbringing will always win. So, like, I remember <laughs> a time when I was in um, an area called Liverpool Street in London, oh, which yeah. has loads of bars and like everyone hangs out there with my colleagues after work. And we were at a bar outside in the summer and Liverpool street also has a market. And so I spotted an auntie walking down the road who spotted Mm -hmm. me at the moment I spotted her. And Mm -hmm. in Yoruba culture, when you see an elder as a girl, you have Mm -hmm. to kneel down. And so like, yeah, kneel down to greet the person. Like you don't always Mm -hmm. have to touch the ground, but it's just respectful Mm -hmm. to kind of like Mm -hmm. change the height difference and be like, hello, auntie. Okay. Instantly did it. Didn't even think about it. She got to me and I approached her and I knelt down and I was kind of like, hi, auntie, blah, blah, blah. I had a quick conversation with her. Turned back to pick up my pint and my friends were like, did you just kneel down? And I was like, oh, no. yeah, let's be mm-hmm. talking about feminism and changing the world. It's like, it's, you know, like, because I, you know, yeah. one, I wasn't going to explain it because it was just like, we were in a pub and most people were mm-hmm. kind of like halfway to drunk. But also like, it, I didn't even realize I'd done it. It is so deeply ingrained in how I was raised. And afterwards on reflection, I was like, fuck yeah, I am a Nigerian Brit and I'm having a pint outside in the pub with my friends. And I saw my Nigerian auntie and I gave her the right respect that my culture determines and everybody's happy and we move on. It's like no biggie, you know? So like Mm -hmm. deep in there somewhere, (laughs) it's kind of like handshaking as well. Like you meet someone in the West and it's like, your hand automatically goes out to shake someone's hand. Like it's not even mm. a conscious mm. thought. It's like, Hey, I've just met you. I'm going to say hi. Like it's mm-hmm. to me, the kneeling down is the same mechanic. Yeah. It just kicks in. Like you. you don't think yeah. about it, you know? So I, 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 as you say that low, I think of the can of worms. That is what people, some people call code switching and yes. work, which is a whole different cultural thing. Um, but and you know what? I think the world would be a better place if everybody code switch, not just some people. <laughs> But that is maybe mm-hmm. a topic for another conversation. <laughs> right. Okay. We have our <laughs> season gimmick here, which is a word. this lovely bad boy. Now, I have been asking people, what do you call this? Now, one, do you recognize this in your yes. culture? Did you ever create one of these in your childhood? Yeah, we had. What do you call it? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what name it has, but... It's not from my culture, but because I was, I grew up in, you know, I went to British schools, even though I was in Zimbabwe, I learned about that. Okay. Thing. You learned I think about I've it. heard okay. it called a cootie catcher. Yes. This is okay, from my kid who now lives in North America. That's what I've heard, but I don't know yeah. what those words Co- mean. Cootie catchers come up a lot. Cootie catchers come mm-hmm. up a lot. Also chatterbox. Okay. Uh, but mm-hmm. Aditi, did you, did you have this as a kid or was yeah, this something that we you had just in, We had this in Bombay growing up. Um, mm. Okay. But I just can't remember what it was called. Um, uh huh. And well, it's yeah, very random to see this. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's well, this, is a, this is a Shopify specific one. So I'm gonna, there is a question at the end okay. of this, uh, a random question. So I'm gonna yeah. ask you, Aditi, to pick. We've got a lettuce, a rocket, a banana, and a cart. Um, a rocket. Okay. I choose R O C K E. T, okay, you now have the number one, two, five, and six. Pick one. Five. One, two, three, four, five. And now you've got eight, three, seven, and four. Four. Okay. Question number four is... Oh, my 
my god. If you could go backwards or forwards in time, where would you go and why? Okay. Um, I would go forwards in time, obviously. Um, okay. Maybe 50 obviously. years. <laughs> 50 years in the 50 future. 50 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's oh, yeah. happened then? Uh, I guess I'm being super idealistic, but we've beaten climate change. Climate change is over. Mm-hmm. Um Oh. And everything is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel that in my soul. I want to see it. I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the eco yeah. world. Yeah. Okay. Future. Future Aditi is uh, post climate change. Um, yeah. <laughs> Farai, which one would you go for? Um, did you say there's a banana? Banana cart, lettuce, rocket. Banana. B A N A N A. I always feel like I'm going to do an extra N A in banana. Uh, five, six, one, and two. One. 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 Okay. Uh, seven, eight, four, and three. And you can't have four because Aditi just had four. Seven. Okay. Seven, please. <laughs> seven. Okay. Actually, this is a good one. What is your process for starting a new thing? So, like, say you've got a oh, new project snap. in mind. What? How do you start? How do you go from nothing to something? Um, I do it the wrong way. So it depends. In, in life, so if it's not a work thing, I do it the wrong way, which is I want to start buying all the tech I need right away <laughs> instead of, like, solving the problem. So I'll wow. be like, you know, uh, we, we need nice. to get hosting instead of designing the website and understanding what it's for. Um, but I think so, so that that's typically what I would do outside of work, but, but in work, I think one of the key things is, uh, that I'm learning to do more of and more formally is shaping the problem. Yeah. Right. And so this is trying to spend more time trying to understand what does this look like? Um, and, and the folks at Basecamp wrote a good, great book about this, um, where it's kind of like, you know, how do you agree on how much appetite you have to solve this problem? Um, and also like create an opportunity to fall in love with the problem, um, that, you know, maybe you've got a week to do that. Sometimes maybe it's just an hour cause it's a small thing, but just trying to shape it and then write down like what shape does this need to take? Um, as a lead, sometimes I will try and solve the problem myself before yeah. passing it on to somebody else to kind of put it into detail so that I've got a good idea of like, okay, I think the solution could work out like this. Maybe there are some starting points for them. I'm not trying to do the work on their behalf, but I'm trying to form my own opinion. And sometimes the best way to form that is to maybe try and solve it at a high level as I'm shaping it. Um, So shaping the problem would be a thing for kind of project work. Good, solid designer answer there for I like, do you understand what you're trying to do before you get doing it? Um, Aditi, Farai, thank you so, so much. This has been a really fun conversation. Hopefully it's been interesting for our audience to hear. We shall provide all of your socials so you become even more famous and people can follow you and hear more. Um, hoping COVID allows more community activity in Singapore. And I, for one, would really like to go back to Pixel Up in South Africa. So I'm just going to put a little wish well out there for like another Pixel Up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for listening to Inside Shopify UX. Check out more from our team or find out how to join us by visiting ux.shopify.com. Inside Shopify UX is hosted by me, Lola Yelayo Pearson. Produced by Jen Shaw. Assisted by Isabel Hamilcarassi. Edited by Michael Busser. With art and graphics by Alicia Giroux. Danny Chavez-Ackerman. And Trevor Slovani. Music by 
silent, quiet spaces. On the next episode of Inside Shopify UX, I speak to our head of UX, Cynthia Savard-Saucier. Mm-hmm.